Hello and happy Sunday. We are gathering this afternoon for our Valentine's special at a special time. 2.30 in the afternoon Eastern versus my usual 8 a.m. before that 7 a.m. Hello. And I am so excited that we are going to have this show together and welcome to this episode number 10, the last in the winter season for weightless and mind, body and spirit with yours truly, Dr. Carol Penn, your host. I'm going to play a little bit of a countdown and then we're going to come back and we are going to get off into it. We're going to have a fantastic time this afternoon. Yes, yes, yes. It is time for Weightless and Mind, Body, and Spirit with yours truly, Dr. Carol Penn. I'm so excited to be here this afternoon and bring you this show on Valentine's Sunday. We have a special guest backstage in the green room, and we even have a surprise guest in the green room for this afternoon. And I'm so delighted that you you've chosen to spend this time with me. And who am I? I am doubly board certified in family medicine and obesity medicine. I'm also your master movement, meditation, and mindset coach, two-time best-selling author, wife, mother, daughter, sister. Yes, you name it. All those complex roles that we all play. When we add it all up, it's called life. It is called life. And why the name weightless in mind, body, and spirit? Well, there's those extra pounds that people want to lose. There are those pounds that people have been trying to lose all of their life. There is the disease, the waxing and waning, remitting and relapsing disease process of obesity. And we do want to contribute to that healing, to that weightlessness, to that lifting off, that shedding of pounds. And then there's the weight of the spirit, the weight of the soul. And often we see the two coming together. So to be weightless in mind, body, and spirit means not only the physical weight, but also the spiritual, emotional, and psychological weight. And we talk about both on this show. We don't diagnose or treat anything, but we do educate and bring you information. And we hope that you are able to then Take your questions, take your concerns to your professional healthcare team and get the help and treatment that you need. Well, today our show is centered around the concept that pleasure in and of itself can be a pathway to healing, to health, and to wholeness. So get out whatever you take your notes on. Let's get ready to learn. I'm going to bring my beautiful guest on camera so we could just watch her blush a little bit as I as I, I read her bio. And I'm also going to be sharing some of my favorite love poetry from 
um, Haki Maributu. I've been reading uh, this prolific writer's poetry for, for decades now. And I think that you will find that sprinkled in throughout this Valentine's Day special, something really lovely and exciting. And who knows, you might hear a poetic word or two from the secret guest that's waiting backstage. So let's see, Dr. Dr. Brandy, where are you? There she is, all the way in California. I'm just going to bring her on. She's resplendent in her red today. So, you, Dr. Brandy, the pleasure coach. But let's learn a little bit about Dr. Brandy. Dr. Brandy. Dr. Brandy Wilson Manigat, MD, a.k.a. Dr. Brandy, is touted by patients and peers alike as one of the best ob physicians and surgeons. As a board-certified ob and woman's pleasure coach, I love it, pleasure coach, you hear that underline that you all, she brings a unique approach to women's sexual health, achieving a holistic integration of the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual elements of you. This creates lasting positive change in how you view yourself, your body, and your pleasure. She is called upon by various local and national media outlets to give a fresh perspective and new information on women's health trends. Dr. Brandy is the founder and chief medical advisor for drbrandymd.com, where she has created a safe space to discuss real world strategies to help women learn the truth about sex and orgasms and embrace their feminine essence so they feel good both inside and outside of the bedroom. Her book, My Oh My, A Committed Woman's Guide to Getting the Great Sex She Deserves, is an Amazon number one bestseller and has helped numerous women to live their best sex life ever. Y'all hearing this? Y'all getting this? Born and raised in South Central Los Angeles, California, Dr. Brandy earned her undergraduate undergraduate degree from the University of California at Riverside, earned her Doctor of Medicine from the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA, Charles R. Drew University of Medicine and Science. She completed her residency training at Rochester General Hospital in Rochester, New York, and she currently has a thriving telemedicine practice in addition to providing quality women's health services in the Los Angeles area for over a decade. So I am so excited to welcome you as a first-time guest on Weightless and Mind, Body, and Spirit. Welcome, and thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Carol. I am so excited to be here today. Um, you know, I know we've been trying to get together for a little bit, so I'm, I'm so glad that we got the show today and got it at the special time because, yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm on the West Coast, so eight o'clock is five o'clock my time, and that's that's not so pleasurable for me to be up that early. Well, thank you for announcing I made up my mind that, you know, at least once a season, I was going to offer a show at a special time just so we could reach the West Coast folks. Let's see who's joined us this afternoon. So I'm going to ask everyone, if you're watching, go ahead, let us know who you are, where you are, drop it in the chat. As always, this will be a time to make comments and get your questions answered in real time. You know, I bring you the world's experts. 
So this is a, a wonderful dynamic time to interact. So we have Victoria to welcome. Hello and happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you also, Victoria. Patricia, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. And Dr. Dietrich Gorman, we love Dr. Dietrich. Hey, hey, and hi, and hi. So we are glad to see that the guests are tuning in. And, you know, so Dr. Brandy, let's just get right into it. Okay. This is, you know, this is a thesis for you. This is a theme for you, this theme of pleasure. As you know, a few weeks ago, I saw you give some tips on the doctorpreneurs with our business coach, Dr. Dre. And I was really captivated because I do think that this concept of pleasure as an avenue, an additional avenue to healing, health, and holism is very important. I see far too many women and men suffering as a result of being disconnected from enjoyment, from play, from pleasure. Tell us a little bit about how you came to this and just educate us about this thesis, this idea. Okay. Um, So I think for the for the vast majority of humans who are here, um, there's this idea of kind of one upping each other on how bad or how hard or how much you have to struggle and do all these things to get all that you have. And there's this emphasis on, okay, if I work hard, then that's how the success is going to come. And if I'm not working hard, I'm not going to be successful. If I'm, you know, not struggling and grinding and kind of the hustle culture, you got to hustle, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead kind of deal. And, you know, for some people that works and gets them motivated. Um, And even for myself, you know, that, that has been (laughs) my, that has been my mantra for quite a long time. You know, like, like you said, in my bio, I came from um, South Central Los Angeles. I grew up in a single parent home. I saw my mom struggle on um, public assistance and all that stuff. And it was like, okay, I know I got to work hard so that I do not end here. This is not where my life ends. And I want to do more and I want to see more and be more. And in pursuing my dream of becoming a doctor and pursuing the things that I wanted to do, just that that idea of having to struggle and work hard actually led to me getting burnt out. And specifically, in that burning out process, you know, I had got married, I had a child, went to residency, left Los Angeles, went to Rochester, New York, while my husband and my child stayed in Los Angeles. So, you know, commuted for two years, back and forth, plane tickets and all that stuff, came back, started a private practice, and I truly just got burnt out. And it was just like, I don't like anything. All I want to do is sleep. That's it. That's all. I can't. And once I finally got some time to breathe, I couldn't figure out what it was that made me happy. 
what made me feel good. Like I couldn't even tell you, like if I had an afternoon, what would feel good for me to do in that afternoon just for me. And that was kind of the turning point for me because I wanted to understand like where did where did my fun go where did my joy go where did my pleasure go where did even my sexy go because in that burnout process you know i'd stopped wanting to have sex and it had been kind of building up for a long time like i felt like my sex drive kind of tanked when i was in my late 20s and it's like okay well i know i'm not in menopause um what is what's going on and so it just, it all culminated into this burnout. And in that process, my marriage fell apart. Just done, gone, totally fell apart. And I had to do something. And I'm like, what, what, what is this? Like, I can't, I can't be here forever. I have to figure out how to get to a place of being healthy and whole and knowing that sex was, well, at that point, I didn't know how much sex was important to, and sexual pleasure, how much that was important to who I was, how I showed up in the world, my confidence, my ability to be creative, my ability to problem solve, my ability just to be comfortable in the skin that I'm in. And so I started to cultivate that. And what I found was that looking at things from the standpoint of what's what feels good? What feels good? And it could be something as simple as having a cup of tea. It could be something as simple as having a dance party in your bedroom. It could be something as grand as I'm taking a trip to Morocco, whatever. Just bringing more of what felt good into my life. And that was just eye-opening to me because I, I realized that my underlying mindset was that everything was always going to be hard. Nothing was ever going to work out for me. And whatever I got, I had to work myself to the bone to prove that I deserved it and I deserved to be where I was. And that, that's kind of the philosophy <laughs> and where it came from. Well, I'm wondering how many of our audience share some of those sentiments where you just feel like ultimately things aren't going to work out and everything has to be difficult and an uphill battle. And, you know, even if that were true, if that were part of the equation, where do you think it is that people forget about pleasure, that they forget about the, the birthright of joy, they forget about play, they forget about fun, um, you know, that they, they just lose, lose that. And, and so often it seems like it never comes back and people live, you know, their lives just like, ooh, you know, so tight and, and a great deal of sadness. Yeah, I think, honestly, I think it happens when we're kids. Because we come into the world and we're very much centered on what feels good to us as as kids. Mm -hmm. And it told, no, you have to look out for the other person. No, it's better to give than to receive. And even for us as girls, we get taught 
you know, we're supposed to give to other people and be nice and, and play nice and all that stuff. And we give, 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 but no one says, hey, listen, you should also receive. You sh it's not a one-way street. You should also be receptive to things. And that actually, that, that idea of being receptive is something that we typically would ascribe to a more feminine essence. Mm -hmm. And we don't embrace that. Like the world that we're in, at least in this country, is, you know, very masculine, very go out and get what you need, do what you need to do, as opposed to, okay, let me be receptive to some things. How can I relax into some things instead of always kind of having to make stuff happen? And I think I think we we are socialized to behave in that way because that's how it has been. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, could you just take us a little bit inside of your book? Take us into, you know, the pages of your book, what you wrote about. I'm going to go uh, put that banner up about your book while you are thinking about that and considering that. And there's where you could go and find out and perhaps even order a copy of the book. Tell us mm -hmm. why you wrote the book and maybe give us, you know, just some some teachings from the book. Okay. So the book is called My Oh My, A Committed Woman's Guide to Getting the Great Sex She Deserves. And I wrote the book mainly because this was a book that I, I felt that I would have wanted to have when I first started the journey of trying to figure out where my sexy went. And the book is broken down in a way that addresses the physical aspect, the mental, the spiritual, the emotional, because all of those are dimensions of sex. And I wanted to put together something that kind of bursts through this myth that sex is just physical and that it is just inserting tab A into slot B. It's so much more than that. It has so much deeper meaning and connection. And so in the book, it talks about, you know, how in order to truly enjoy sex, you have to truly know what feels good for you. And there are lessons in there that you can do to journal, um, different questions around that. There's diagrams in there to show you um, all of the different uh, potential pleasure points that are on your body so mm. that you know, you know, there's more than just one or two spots that can give you an orgasm. There's at least 10 spots on your body that can give you an orgasm. And so in the book, there's a diagram for that. And we talk about some of those things. Um, that, that's beautiful. We, we might need you to uh, like, you know, outline those 10 spots before we leave this afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you, actually, I have... I have a, um, a challenge that's coming up at the end of the month. It's called the ABC challenge. And we're going to go through all of those spots in addition to some of the different principles that I teach in my book. So it is going to be good. It's going to be good. Excellent. Excellent. So Victoria is sharing 
Um, this was my mindset in my 20s and 30s. Once I hit 40, you couldn't tell me anything. I'm selfish with my inner peace and joy by drowning, drowning out the external circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. I love it, Victoria. Yeah. yeah. And welcome, welcome, Kenneth. Glad you've uh, tuned in and, and joined with us, Kenneth, for sure. And so people can go on over there, steer the website for your book, milemybook.com, you know, order a copy for themselves. I think adult sexuality is so important. What mm-hmm. are some of the issues or challenges that you see cut us off from healthy adult sexuality? What are some of the things that kind of just push us down and bring us to a, a stop? And you did, you know, you talked about some of the historic things, you know, that can go all the way back to childhood, but there's mm-hmm. things that in our adult lives can also cut us off from this joy, this expression. Perhaps you can share some of those with us. Sure. So I think first and foremost, just a lack of education. Nobody talks about it. Specifically in my industry, nobody talks about sex and pleasure in the context of, you know, exploring what what can give you this kind of maximum pleasure. It's all about let's make sure you get pregnant if you want to or you don't get pregnant if you don't want to, and let's make sure you don't get any infections. That's the extent of how we're taught about sex and what that looks like as this adult activity. And no one really taps into what is the ultimate purpose for Mm -hmm. sex, which is a deeper connection. No one talks about the ultimate standard, if you can say, for what it should be. Like even even a lot of times in my clinical practice, like I would have women come in who were in their 20s, in their 30s, like, hey, can you check me for menopause? Check my hormones. Check me for menopause because I think, you know, I'm there. And it's like, okay, well, why do you think you're there? Well, you know, I don't want to have sex anymore. And there's this idea that at some point, as you age, your sex drive is going to go. Um, there's this understanding or this thought that sex is just for the other person. So only one person is supposed to enjoy it. Um, there's this thought process and understanding that if it takes too long for me to orgasm, then you know I should just fake it so that my partner doesn't feel like something's wrong with me or that I'm broken. So there's 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 all of these things. And, I, you know, to dig into where each one came from, ooh, that's that each and every one of those is a show in and of itself. Um, but those are some of the things that I see when I'm working with my patients in the office or with my clients who I coach. Absolutely. And, and you know, and I know. For myself, I've just come through a long uh, period of, of caregiving and, you know, some of the, you know, the physical exhaustion, emotional exhaustion. And, you know, I have to say, you know, I, I felt cut off from my sexy. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, really? And I so I think, you know, sometimes big life events. I know sometimes after childbirth, 
women feel cut off from their sexy. Um, mm-hmm. I certainly, you know, lived that experience uh, recently. And I think, you know, as we get older, as the body changes, and also I don't think society helps us out too much because oftentimes we don't see women um, beyond a certain age or the older we get, the less we see images of ourselves being depicted as sensual creatures, as sensual beings into our 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, really for as long as we're alive. Um, mm-hmm. I do believe that if we cultivated that and we learned about that and we talked about that, those sparks of vitality are very attractive, very oh. appealing. And I, and I think that it goes beyond whether or not you're coupled or not. A lot of people feel like, um, oh, I'm not sexy if I don't have a partner or I can't express my sexuality. And you open the show talking about, what about that cup of tea? Mm-hmm. You know, so what brings you pleasure? What, you know, what about that walk outside, feeling the wind on your skin, allowing yourself to take that in and feel? You know, these are things of the senses. These are things that are sensual. So I, I just think that there's so much education out there that we both need, men and women. So welcome, Shannon. I'm so glad that Shannon had joined us. She's saying true intimacy is an issue between couples that close beyond serial experiences. Yeah. Thank you, Shannon, for saying that. It truly, it is an issue between couples, but I also like to um, to point out that it's also an issue with yourself. Like you need to have intimacy with and closeness with yourself. Be, even be, before you get excuse me, even before you get to a coupled relationship. And I remember, you know, having conversations about what what I wanted to do for women and how I wanted to work with women um, with my husband at the time. And he would say things like, you know, well, are you going to have something to work with the men? Because it's about couples and all these other things. And it's like, you know, yeah, that, that is important. But even before you get to that step, you have to be comfortable and secure in who you are, what you want, (laughs) what you don't want, and know all of that before you go and merge with another person. Because once you get with that other person, you know, that influences and, and can influence positively or negatively however, but there's influence and there's change that can happen. And so if you don't already know who you are, you can get kind of caught up in some stuff that really is not good for you, is not healthy for you. Um, even, Even if it's not bad, it's just taking you off your path and your journey. So you have to be very close and intimate with yourself first. Beautiful. Shannon has also saying exactly. Some people have not experienced true intimacy and caring for themselves before being with a partner or mate, etc. Exactly. 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 But I love how you um, you had mentioned, Dr. Carol, about, you know, 
how we can have depictions of women who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s that, you know, are still vibrant and still very much sexual beings. And I think that is is important. We all know, you know, that we all have that that lady, the older lady in our lives who we see who's in her 70s and 80s and just, just living her life. She's a whole vibe. And we're like, yes, I want to look like that when I get to be in that stage. And we can. We can. And using pleasure as a tool, using pleasure as a vehicle for that, we can get there. Absolutely. My grandmother uh, she was definitely my role model. And she was one of these people who was vibrant until she left the planet, you mm-hmm. know, at the advanced age of 98. And it's interesting, my mom, her daughter also has left the planet at the advanced age of 98. And I, you know, I think about my grandmother who her whole being was just so shiny and vibrant. And she would always say, look, you need to know and understand how to pleasure yourself physically. If you don't understand that about yourself, how can you expect anybody else to know and understand that? So she was, she was big on that. And she used to talk about that. And that would often come up at family bridal showers and and gathering where we would have this wonderful intergenerational multi-age gatherings. And, you know, people would laugh and it'd be like, you know, hands like going up to your mouth. It's like, oh my goodness, Aunt Mm -hmm. is how was she talking about? But she understood that. And she would always Mm -hmm. say, go to bed pretty, go to bed pretty for you. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, don't go to bed mad and go to bed pretty. And when she was in the last few weeks of her life and the doctors would make their rounds, by the time they would see her in the morning, and, and it seemed like almost no matter what time they would make their rounds on her, her hair would be done. And yes, she would have her lipstick on. Red was Ooh, the yes. And okay. one one of one of her doctors remarked, he, he says, you know, every time I come to see you, um, Mrs. Harvey, you are so put together. And and she looked at him and she said, you're going to have to get up mighty early to see me not put together. Hmm. She took care of and she valued herself. Hmm. And you know, again, it's like, you know, when does a woman stop caring about her appearance, about her vitality? And in my grandmother's case, I really witnessed the answer was never. The answer was mm-hmm. never. She always mm-hmm. thought it was worth caring for herself. Mm-hmm. And she understood that secret about pleasure. Yeah. Well, I mean, for for a lot of women, it boils down to priorities <laughs> and what what is seen as a priority and there's so much that we have going on from taking care of ourselves physically we just got to eat did we take a shower today you know all the things taking care of the kids taking care of our partners or our spouses taking care of our our aging parents you you have been there um you know all of those things and it's like you know what if i can just make it through the day 
if I can just get hit all the high points of the stuff that actually has to happen, keep all the plates spinning in the air and not drop one of them, then I'm good. And it becomes this this war of, okay, well, I have so much to do for everyone else and there's no time for me. And a lot of the strategies and things that I, I give to my coaching clients and to my patients are things that take anywhere from five to 20 minutes or so. And the reason I do that is because I'm I'm a busy woman and I know my my coach, my coaching clients and my patients are busy and ain't nobody got time for that. Nobody has time. Like every once in a while, sure, do a big thing, go to the spa, take a trip, do all that stuff. But there are little things that you can do that bring you pleasure that have a massive, massive impact on you being able to have and enjoy a great life in general and a great sex life specifically. So excellent excellent we're gonna let a little bit later let you talk about your course for sure we have a um one more comment from shannon and then we have a question and then i'm going to be bringing the other special guest who's back there in the green room forward to join us so it's true taking care of yourself makes you feel and look better you feel the way you look great advice from your grandmother dr penn mm-hmm. <laughs> And Angela has a question. Do you recommend testosterone for women with low libido? You know, thank you for asking that question, Angela. Um, It depends. It really depends because for some women, it can be a matter of just getting the drive up. But for, for the clients and the patients that I've seen, Um, even sometimes getting the testosterone, it works for a little bit, but it's still not addressing kind of the underlying issues that plague women when it comes to low libido. So probably the number one reason why women are like, I don't want to have sex is because I'm tired. I'm just tired. I'm fatigued. (laughs) We're not getting enough sleep. (laughs) We're doing too much. We're tired. Like, look, I can't sleep, get off me. And so, um, you know, we look at some of the foundational pieces of what's happening in your life. And then the second reason is that they're bored because <laughs> they're doing sex the same way, get into it the same way, have sex the same way. It all goes the same. It's just like, I'm, you know, I know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm bored. I would like to do something else. And they may not have the agency, they may not have the vulnerability in a relationship to change that. Um, And then another reason is just feeling disconnected from your partner. And so if if you are looking at testosterone, um, yes, it it can help. Yes, it does work. Um, but it is not my go-to for treating low libido because the majority of the time is not low testosterone. It's some other stuff that's happening. Okay, well, thank you for that. So in a moment, I'm going to bring, so my my secret special guest is, is my Valentine, my forever time, uh, the beautiful man that I get to call my husband, Mr. DM Jones, who is a spoken word artist, 
a poet, a musician, uh, a wonderful entrepreneur in his own right. I'm going to share something, a statement that uh, Haki Madabuti has made, and I want to get my husband to weigh in on this, because this is also, we are talking about in, in Valentine's Day when we are, you know, uh, you know, talking about, you know, the coupling, what's available in partnership and, and the pleasure that couples need to keep between the two of them as something that's a part of their healing and their holism. And it, it's sometimes something that we let slip and sometimes it's hard to get it back. But let's hear what um, Haki wrote to men um, in the beginning of his book. Um, my goodness. And uh, Victoria's got a comment and some questions. So we're going to bring that all together. There he is. I'm adding you to the stream DM. So here we are. This is what Haki Matabuti, Dr. Matabuti, wrote to the men. Women are different in so many beautiful ways. I wonder if we men really ever sit down with within our own questions and ponder the complicated melodies of the women, women in our lives. Do we ever try to put our feet and souls into their shoes and spirits? Each woman is her own color, is her own stream, is her own season, and has her own personal weather report. We must listen to our women. We must know the winds of our women. Often these winds come with hurricane force, but mostly they arrive smoothly so as not to take either of us off center. The women in our lives are the balances that keep our families from falling too far off course. If there is to be war, let it be against superficial assessments of women. Do not fear intelligent, self-reliant, independent, strong-willed, and culturally focused women. Seek them. Most of these women have strong backs, questions, and answers. They harbor ships of love. They also hold within them the pain and happiness of large families and culturally defined histories. The most serious of them think in long distance and careful sentences. If they are with children, they function always with a clock in them. Most of them carry the pulse of their children close to their hearts. They also carry the smiles of the men they love tightly in the vicinity of the same heart. We must begin to carry the spirits of our women in us. We must open our mind's eye to the great possibilities that serious mating represents for our future. This is heart love. So welcome, DM. Well, so that, my goodness, that was a lot. That was a mouthful. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Manabuti. And I, I know, darling, you have so many wonderful views on this. Welcome to the show. We've centered pleasure as a path to healing and wholeness and health. What are your thoughts on this important subject on this Valentine's Sunday? Oh, I unmute. Uh, thank you for having me and for bringing me into this fabulous conversation. Um, happy Valentine's Day to you both, Dr. Brandy, and of course you, darling but to all the audience and, you know, um, I, you know, amen for um, Brother Haki, 
for what he had to say. But, you know, I've listened to the conversation today and a lot of it, the, the, the end point to pleasure that I've heard about is the physical. And to me, there can be no physical without the mental. So mm -hmm. it's a mindset. You know, Dr. Brandy, you said something, you used the word I've always quoted. You said no. See, the difference between a child and an adult is learning that word, two letters, N-O, and then you start suppressing, you start suppressing your intuition. So without intuition, you lose the fact that this, this patriarchal system that we have is broken, okay? Men do not, women A are stronger than men, and I, trust me, I've gotten in trouble in the locker room, all right? <laughs> but um, in my opinion, the next leaders of the world have to have feminine energy. Period. The male energy, the the Martians are over. All they did was fight with their swords and almost burn us all down. But pleasure, to me, um, you know, when we start talking about intimacy, you know, where's the mental stimulation? Where does that couple connect? You know, to me, that real connection. You know, if you're tuned in mentally, orgasm might be a touch of a finger on a face. It doesn't have to be. Oh, I, I, no, 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 no. That little head and the big head stuff, over, over, okay? We just have to come out of this fog that we've been in. Um, no one is better than the other, you know? No, you don't serve me. We serve each other, you know? But a lot of people, men in particular, my brothers, um, just have a warped, what I call a warped perception of balance. You know, my first argument with my father at, at age nine was, the relationship between a man and a woman. He said, son, it's 55, 45, and the man's on top. I said, no, dad, it's 51, 49, and it goes back and forth. We argued for 30 days. Um, but I do think that, um, I, I just encourage all of us to think about, think beyond the physicalities of pleasure. You know, what brings us pleasure to spend time with your partner? Well, because we have no more time, you know, so we can convert, you know, if we think of it that way, we can convert the lockdown into joy town. Okay. Because more time with your partner, more time to learn ways that you can compliment, learn about the depths of your partner's journey that you haven't had time to explore before. That's what I'm talking about. That brings me joy. I mean, um, um, whether it's a walk, take time to talk, cooking together. Um, you know, um, Dr. Carol and I had a long distance relationship at first. The phone was hot, let me tell you. Okay. But in that, um, we kind of uncovered, um, you know, we talked about intimacy on the phone without touching anything, y'all. There was some some changed colors in the room. Let me just put it that way. And but once again, that's the mental. That's like, you know, why are we looking at the behind when we need to be thinking about the mind? It's real, real simple. Put them all together and then you have the explosion that is beyond the G spot, beyond the G. But yeah. don't me get me to try because I'll just tell you what I think. <laughs> well, I mean, I love everything that you just said. And that, that is what I teach. That is how I coach women because yes, the physical is there and I can teach you all the spots and how you stimulate them and all that stuff. I know that, mm -hmm. but 
if you really want to have a satisfying sexual experience, if you really want to to really get what God gave you this experience for, mm-hmm. there's so much more to it. And just like you said, it's it starts in the mental. It's it's the B, what I call the B spot, <laughs> the brain. Yeah, you know. it's, it starts there. And from there is how you cultivate an amazing sex life. And it it you can have orgasms just from your mind, just from fantasy. Mm-hmm. You don't have to touch anything. It's so true. You have that. So true. So this this fixation on the physical mm-hmm. is a distraction from mm-hmm. what truly sex is and what it can be. To that expectation of the physical, then you oh, I'm challenged. Oh no, I'm not ready. I'm deficient. Oops. Mm-hmm. And then they call that what erectile dysfunction? Hmm. That's mental and orgasmia. (laughs) So I've got a little short piece I want to share. It's called Love Light. Mm. In the starlight of this moment, in the twinkle of the rising sun, in the middle of the storms, there is. There's light, and with light, there is love. Where there's love, there is reflection. Where there is love, there is joy. Where there is love, there can be peace. Love yourself and peace will be with you. One never escapes from the truth. Mm. Love light. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, please stay with us, DM. We have a comment from Victoria. So what is your take on removing the taboo sexual health and sexuality with our young children? I had a very open conversation about sexual health and sexuality with my kids starting at age six. I was told that I was misleading my kids. Do you think this hang up about sexuality and sexual health starts from how it is approached or taught to kids? Are the messages mixed when teaching young girls versus young boys? Oh my goodness, Victoria, that that conversation is, yeah. That's a lot. But the short answer, (laughs) yes, I do think we should remove the taboo about sexual health and sexuality when we're talking with our our kids. And um, I have a teenager now, but from the very beginning, because of what I do, I'm like, yeah, no, you need to know the things, the inner workings, the ins and outs. You need to know the appropriate terms for things. And she's still like, ew, mom, I don't want to say it like that. And I'm like, "Uh, I need you to say the words. I need you to get comfortable with saying the words, please. And thank you. And so I think it is very important that we destigmatize it because we have been taught, especially girls, it is don't have sex till you're married in some cases. Don't expect sex until you're older. Keep your panties up. Keep your knees closed. Sex is bad. Sex is dirty. Your private parts are bad. Your private parts are dirty. You got to, you know, make it smell good and do all these other things to, you know, make it pretty and, and all of that. And with, and it's don't touch it. Don't touch it. You can't, you know, you shouldn't know anything. It's it's a black box. It's like Pandora's box down there. And because of that, women are uncomfortable 
as they, once they get older, they are uncomfortable with exploring what what is there. Look, even taking a mirror and looking down there, like even in the office, if I'm looking at somebody's stuff, if I'm looking at the vulva, the vagina, and I'm like, okay, let me get a mirror and show you what I'm seeing. They're like, oh my God, I got to hold the mirror. I got to look. Uh-huh. I want you to see this is you. This is you. And you should know what's here and be able to identify this part and that part and talk about it. And if you so choose to explore and figure out what feels good for you. Um, in terms of, and then in terms of the mixed messages about girls and boys, um, even with something as simple as masturbation, solo play, boys are allowed to enjoy and indulge in that. Girls are told that it's bad and it's wrong. Like even though boys are told, you know, you, you're gonna go blind, you're gonna go to hell so in some senses, you know, it's it's tolerated a whole lot more and better. For a girl, if she's doing it, she's fast or she's trying to, you know, she's being too adultish and all this other stuff. For a boy, it's like, oh, okay, well, you know what? I know you're doing it. Can you just keep it in your room and and don't let nobody know? So I think there's 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 a lot there, Victoria, to unpack. But yeah, we do need to do a better job of talking candidly with our kids about what sex truly is, and even having the discussions because it, it's not just about the physical act, but talking about how to be in relationship, yeah. how to have an effective relationship. What are, you know, how to set boundaries, how to hold those boundaries, how to, to develop yourself before you start to merge with another person. So I think it's it's a good starting place. And even at six, just to talk about the actual parts is great. But keep having that conversation. It's a it's a continuous conversation. And I think that's what's most important. Yeah, I, I think we in the medical community could do, you know, we have the opportunity um, across the specialties of OB-GYN, family medicine, and pediatrics to really start to teach our kids, you know, age appropriate about, like, see, you know, you know, what are these parts and what are the real names of these parts? all the way to that's when around five or six is when, you know, and even before that, you know, kids have started exploring masturbation and they start knowing, oh, it feels good when I touch myself here. feels good when I do this. And a lot of parents react negatively to that. And that often becomes the first energetic imprint that there's something wrong with me. There's something defective. There's something bad here. And, you know, again, missed opportunity. And it's same thing if, uh, if in a family medicine doctor's office or if in a pediatrician's office, we could start talking about the evolving sexuality from the standpoint of, of health, why it's important to know about this. And again, why would God give us so much pleasure in our bodies if it wasn't intimately tied to what it means to be human? Mm 
This is not something that just happens, you know, for people who are born at Fifth and Vine and East Oshkosh. <laughs> you know, this is something that's, you know, it's global. It's universal. So what are the uh, up-leveled uh, conversations that come can come from both, you know, the medical community, perhaps in the education community? So we would have, I would think, you know, much less deviant behavior and upsetting behavior if this was embraced as a holistic part of life. Just the way, you know, we brush our teeth twice a day. We understand this is a holistic part of life. Understanding our bodies, understanding those areas of pleasure, you know, why they're there, how they're there, you know, our, our lips and the humunculus of our brain. You know, there's so many nerve endings in a lip that takes up most of our brain. That's so, you know, that's one of the reasons why eating is so pleasurable because it's stimulating all these nerve endings that tell us that we're alive. That we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, and part of why. Um, I think we don't see it in the medical community is that up until very recently, it was not thought of as being important, at least on the women's side. For the men, for the male side, it's okay. We know there's erectile dysfunction and, and you know, you got your blue pills and all the stuff, right? And then for the women, it's like, yeah, no, that's a, that's a little complex. And it is. It's not as easy as, okay, here, just take this pill and make it happen. But I think that's piece, that's piece one, is there wasn't a whole lot of information. And even for me and doing the work that I did, like I compiled information from at least 10 years of looking for answers for what was happening with me. Um, but the other piece of it is just the taboo, not being comfortable with having the conversation because one, you don't know where it's going to go. <laughs> and two, you don't have enough time to really dig into what is the issue. And three, you don't know if you'll be able to put all the stuff back into Pandora's box. Right. And four, you're uncomfortable talking about sex in general because it's one of those <laughs> subjects. Yes. So, Yes, yes. I have, I'm laughing because I remember when our oldest was a child, he one day he came to me, he says, Mom, who is Ed and why do they keep talking about Ed on TV and why do they keep spelling his name? Why don't they just say Ed? And this is what the erectile dysfunction with Seattle and whatnot. And they would say, oh, if you have ED, and it's like, and who has Ed? Where did Ed go? It was hysterical because he was just wanting to know what is it about Ed and is it a new show that's coming on? Then <laughs> <laughs> the talking horse. You know, <laughs> carrying on. Well, I have to just reflect, read the other half of um, Brother Haki's statement where he writes to women. And then we're going to wrap up. We're gonna, I want to hear a little bit about your course. And my goodness, the time just flies. But this is a very important, this is something that is so important. And it is so underexposed in terms of the knowledge. And I just hope, Dr. Brandy, that we can have you back on again if this is 2.30 is a good time. 
Okay. So, I'm happy to do it. Yes. Brother Haki writes, men are beautiful in so many different ways. So again, I'm loving on the men today. I'm loving on the women today. We're not vilifying anybody. We're bringing us together. They come with unorganized heartbeats. They come often ready to learn, ready to be taught a different rhythm. Like their toes, the size and shape of their hearts are hiding complicated fears. Young men fear women. They hide their fears in muted language and quiet cool. At dances, they hold up walls with their backs, a mean lean carefully shaped to give off messages of I'm ready. Generally, with one or more of their brothers, they signal that we're ready. Ready for what is the question? Too many men function over time in ways to impress other men, mainly their fathers or mentors, brothers, uncles, grandfathers, teachers or coaches. They buy into the impressions business too early. Often the men talk in codes. Men do not beat around the bush. Men beat the bush. Men most 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 men do not talk or sing to the woman or women in their lives the music that is pulsating in their minds. We think that we are lovers or we want to be lovers, but seldom contemplate the meaning of love. Too many of us have been taught love by our peers and the street. Too often this is translated into the physical only. Women represent children, commitment, sharing, and long distance conversations about tomorrows and fears. But we do not listen. Too many men come ill prepared for love, for sharing, for deep river rides, having spent too much time in the northern hemisphere of their minds. Men need understanding, good instructions, and magic in their lives. Women represent all of this. This is heart love. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's that. Wow. Wow. All of that. All of that. All of that. So, Dr. Brandy, we've got a few minutes left. Tell us about your course. Tell us about your course. I'm going to put the banner there. Your Stop Faking It course. (laughs) All right. So my course is a mini course. It's called Stop Faking It, The Secret to Amazing Orgasms. And this course is the sex ed course that you wish you had when you were growing up. Um, it, it definitely is not just, okay, how you get pregnant, how you don't get pregnant. It's none of that. It's let's talk about the true meaning of sex. Let's talk about why you might be faking sex. Let's talk about how important sex is not only to relational things, but how is how is important to you in your own personal growth and development? Um, there's you know definitely a section in there that talks about the different um, points and spots on your body that you can stimulate. There's information in there on how to um, maximize and imp- increase your pleasure. There's even a piece in there that's about how to talk to your partner about what you want, what you need without causing hurt feelings or bruised egos, because that is a big concern when it comes to sex. It's like, well, can I say something? Because, you know, my partner may or may not take it in a good way. And then there's all the stuff that happens. So 
it, it covers all of that. And it's only about an hour. So it only takes an hour of your time. So oh, you can wow. have a wonderful. And so it's it's like it's one one complete hour. Mm -hmm. That's wow. Mm -hmm. so, and what would you say to people out there who, you know, obviously DM and I are, you know, we're a couple, we're in a relationship. What do you say to people out there? Why should they take it if they aren't in a partnership? You know, because one, one, it like I said, it breaks down some of those spots and things that you can do to to have pleasure. And it's not just in a partnered relationship, like you can stimulate some of those spots by yourself. Um, but it also is helpful for when you do get into relationship. If you already know what you like and the things that are there, you can educate your partner because this is information that the men don't get either. <laughs> they don't know about it. So if you don't know about it and your partner doesn't know about it, you are drastically decreasing the chances of you having a great time when it comes to that type of stimulation. So, and both men and women can take this course? You know, it is specifically designed for women and, and the verbiage is in there for women, but I've had um, couples who have, or a woman who's bought it and her, her partners will listen, their partners will listen to it. And they're like, this is, this is great information. Like nobody teaches us this. And so, you know, it can, it can be listened to by a partner and well received and, and understood. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's really important. You know, so my, my sweetheart and I, we have had conversations that have up leveled, you know, our physical connection. Cause I think sometimes what happens is we kind of get stuck somewhere around eighth grade. You know, and it's like, you know, we, we never cultivate and come into a, a maturation with our sexuality and the expression of it. And, mm -hmm. so, you know, you kind of doing that same old thing that you were doing in ninth and 10th, 10th grade. And, and I know that as we mature and evolve, so does our sexual expression need to mature and evolve. And it is, you do need to have that vocabulary because you don't want to hurt each other's feelings, you know, mm -hmm. this, you know, to be your partner. And so, you know, like, you know, Diem and I have had these conversations. We've had these conversations with support and with counsel, you know, not just in terms of sexual expression, but, you know, we spent before we got married because we've both been married before and had broken hearts before we spent a year in counseling that it included, you know, it was actually, it was longer than a year, you know, all of it, mind, body, and spirit. So how are these people presenting today at these, this age and with this history going to ensure that this marital relationship is the true marriage, the lasting marriage, the one that, you know, it's like, okay, we, you know, we, we go in for time here. We go in for time and we're not in those immature conversations of the past that proved to be destructive. Mm -hmm. yes. I appreciate you, baby. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, and thank you for being brave enough to share and, and show up. And, you know, I think a part of an important message is for people to know that 
mature love can happen and you can find appropriate partnership into your 50s and into your 60s. A lot of people, you know, they get they feel kind of hopeless. They feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to find love again or maybe even love for the first time. So I hope that people you know, can be inspired, you know, that it's, it's not to, Hey, look, look, I'm, I'm the do it at the take, you know, at the, at the non-traditional 20 years of being out of school. Then I go to medical school when a lot of people are thinking of retiring, you know, it's like, you know, get getting, well, I did say I was never going to marry again. My husband helped me change my mind on that. But, you know, again, the one that has come to things in, the more mature part of life. And I hope that the message is one of hopefulness. So uh, Patricia, this is when, then we're going to wrap up. Never forget the scene from Fried Green Tomatoes when the Southern Bells were handed mirrors to look at their privates at a social event. That was hysterical. That, that was hilarious. <laughs> Truly, if you haven't seen it or if you've forgotten it, Go back and check it out. Now to do this Sunday. And Victoria will get the last word here. Topics like this definitely help women and men who have repressed, suppressed inhibition to own, explore, and discover their true sexuality and pleasures. Another great show. Thank you so much. This I was hoping that this was the message that would land. How about you, DM? Oh, fabulous. I'm just ah, glad to be part of the uh, dialogue and glad that so many people had great questions and, you know, reach out and touch so we can all learn from each other and all grow together. Dr. Brandy? I, I am just happy that we got to have this conversation. This is my favorite topic of discussion. So every time I get to, to present on it and talk about it, I I'm just amped up and happy. Um, I'll say, you know, if anybody is interested in uh, participating in the ABC challenge, so you can learn the ABCs of pleasure, you can join me um, at abcchallenge.live and we'll get started on the 22nd, learning all those different spots, those 10, 10 or more spots that can give you pleasure. So just go to abcchallenge.live. abcchallenge.live. All right. That is going to be what starts on February 22nd. Yes. Woo! Right on time. You know, that's a good thing to do in the deep winter where we're supposed to be hibernating. We're supposed mm. to, you know, going inward, you know, and enjoying time in the, this is a perfect time to do that. Once again, this is Dr. Brandon Wilson-Manigat and my super special guest, Mr. DM Jones. We have been with you on Weightless and Mind, Body and Spirit. We will see you when the spring season begins in a few weeks. And in the meantime, stay in touch love and honor yourself and take the best care of the person who looks back at you in the mirror every day. We need you. We love you. We honor you. Signing off for now. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you.